Tonight, I want to think with you for just a few moments about the theme, a state of crisis. And just a moment ago, Matt read from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, where Solomon said, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. The psalmist said in Psalm 33, verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose Lord is God. I really believe that you and I live in a country that needs to turn back to biblical principles. And so tonight we want to think for just a few moments about our theme, A State of Crisis. I guess as we begin, we might pose the question, are you concerned about the spiritual direction of our nation? If your answer is yes, then take heart, because you are not alone. Many of us are concerned about the spiritual welfare and well-being of our nation. And I really believe that it is time for our country to reawaken her spiritual senses and recognize that God will not bless us if we continue on our current course. Cal when the foundations are being destroyed, America may be living on borrowed time, but its lease will not be extended by new laws or constitutional amendments. Americans will renew their moral strength when they decide in sufficient numbers to live differently. No power on earth can make them do that, but a power not of this earth can help. In our lesson tonight, as we think about a state of crisis, I want us to begin by, first of all, noting the crisis. I would call your attention to a parallel from the past. There is a classic book by Edward Gibbons that has been titled, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. And in that great volume, he chronicles the demise of this once powerful nation. It is very interesting to note the striking parallel between the fall of Rome and the state of our nation today. Let me cite for you what he suggests led to the fall of Rome. Number one, the rise of divorce and the deterioration of the home, which is the fabric of the nation. All the way back in Genesis chapter two, when God said it is not good for man to be alone. We read of God creating a helpmeet, a suitable answer for man. And Moses said in Genesis chapter 2 at verse 24, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. When Jesus was asked by the religious leaders of his day, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? He responded by saying, have you not read? Is it the case that one of the reasons homes today are dis disintegrating 
are because men and women, husbands and wives, have failed to avail themselves of the greatest manual that has ever been written on the home. It is called the Bible. And because of that, the home is in a state of disarray. Secondly, higher and higher taxes and the spending of public money for free bread and circuses for the populace. Now, I recall the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 at verse 10, he said that when they had been with those in Thessalonica, they commanded them, if any will not work, neither shall he eat. And then also in 1 Timothy chapter 5 at verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, if any provides not for his own, especially those of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I believe that we need to be a benevolent group of people. But there are many individuals that are receiving public handouts that are able-bodied individuals that could and should work. Number three, the mad craze for pleasure, sports becoming every year more exciting and brutal. A couple of observations here. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 4 that there would be people who would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Is it possible that we now live in an age among a society of people whose sole focus and purpose in life is gratification and pleasure. And then what about the brutality in the realm of sports? I, like many of you, love sports. I enjoy watching football, basketball, a number of other sports. All of us, though, would agree that in some sports, it has become extremely brutal. I think about two individuals entering a ring among thousands of people and the sole purpose is to literally knock somebody out. All the while, those in the stands are clapping and cheering and jeering. Bear in mind that this led to the demise of Rome. Number four the building of gigantic armaments when the real enemy was within the decadence of the people. When you have time this week, turn to Romans chapter 1 and begin reading in verse 18 and note, if you would, what Paul says concerning the state of the Gentile people. In short, in chapter 1, Paul's assessment of the Gentile people, they were under sin. Now in chapter 2, to the, to the uh, no doubt, to the uh, disappointment of the Jewish people, Paul concluded that they too were under sin. And so in chapter 3, he said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in verse 23. But if you go back to Romans chapter 1, it's worth pointing out that the Bible says concerning the Gentile people that God gave them up. 
know their vile and unrighteous behavior, the decadence of the people. Number five, the decay of religion, faith fading into mere form, losing touch with life and becoming impotent to guide the people. Is it not the case that among many religions today, there is the draw because individuals are quote unquote looking for a place that will meet all of their heartfelt needs? Whatever happened to individuals who wanted to serve? And to think about in many religious circles, there is more fluff than substance. Jesus chided the scribes and the Pharisees of his day. In Matthew chapter 23 at verse 3, because he said, they say and do not. People can see through the veneer of that which lacks true, genuine substance. I really believe that the appeal that we have as members of the body of Christ is truth. We have the opportunity to share divine truth with the lost and dying world. And so these are five factors that ultimately led to the demise of the Roman Empire. But with that in mind, let me now call your attention to some of the problems that we face in present-day society. Let me begin by providing for you some statistical data that I believe should be alarming to those of us who comprise the church. 74% of Americans believe the nation is in moral decline and that a culture war is occurring in this country. Now, isn't that interesting that the vast majority of people in our country, at least those that were polled, seem to suggest that our country is moving in the wrong direction. Many of us feel that way. 64% indicate news and entertainment media are the major trend, or rather the major influence in this trend. Think about the power and influence that is, that is exerted by Hollywood today. I had the opportunity to visit Los Angeles back in the summer. And you're talking about a city with some 15 to 18 million residents. Now this is the hub of the entertainment industry along with New York. And it is true that Hollywood and New York are exerting a tremendous amount of influence in our nation today. The thought occurred to me while visiting Los Angeles that if we could change the mentality of those who reside in that city as well as New York, 
we might go a long way in changing the thinking of our society today. A poll of 2,000 American citizens in December of 2006 found the following. Only 67% believe premarital sex among high school kids is always wrong. Number two, 49% believe homosexuality is wrong. Number three, 14% say homosexuality is right. 26% say it depends on the situation. Number four, 51% believe lying is always wrong under any circumstances. 53% believe in keeping promises no matter what, but 46% can excuse the failure to keep their word in situations where it is too difficult or inconvenient. Have you noted a trend? The trend is that men and women are moving poles apart from the teaching of the Word of God. And it is now being reflected in their values. Number five, the Kaiser Family Foundation reported recently, the number of sexual scenes on television has nearly doubled since 1998. The study found that 70% of all shows include some sexual content and that these shows average five sexual scenes per hour. You want to talk about what's wrong with our country? Number six. I thought this was somewhat interesting. If you go back and look at the 2004 birth rates in the U.S. Here's what has been recorded. Childbearing by unmarried women reached a record high of almost 1.5 million births in 2004. More than four in five births to teenagers were non-marital. Over half of births to women in their early 20s and nearly three in 10 births to women aged 25 to 29 were to unmarried women. Now listen to this. This means that in 2004, 35.7% of all births were illegitimate. You wanna talk about a state of crisis in our country today? Hosea said, they have sown to the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. Number seven, an interesting article that was penned by Wayne Jackson entitled America, a nation out of control. In this article, Wayne Jackson identifies factors that are undermining our country. He basically cites four very specific factors. Number one, economic irresponsibility. Number two, the judicial system. Number three, the family. And number four, our educational system. Listen to what he says concerning the state of our educational system. The American schoolroom has become one of the most dangerous environments in which your children can exist. 
And is it any wonder when teachers advocate the notion that there is no such thing as eternal truth and that there are no absolutes relative to right and wrong? Children and teachers alike are in danger on campus. Handguns and knives are common among students. Drugs are freely circulated. Condoms are provided. And sexual promiscuity is rampant. Folks, we need to make some changes in our country. And those changes can only take place if you and I, as members of the body of Christ, begin to do our part as New Testament Christians. I cite these statistics because I believe that they provide for us some type of insight into where we are as a nation of people. I've said it before, and I believe it to be the case, that unless our country changes her ways, we are on a collision course with Jehovah God. Go back and read of some of the great world empires that have existed in days gone by. I just read for you five very specific traits that led to the demise of the Roman Empire. Do you remember when God called upon a man by the name of Jonah to go to Nineveh? And he said that Nineveh was a wicked city. And his desire for Jonah was that he would go to that city and preach repentance. Jonah initially resisted the call of the Lord. However, in chapter 3, after having undergone some difficulties and having his priorities reawakened, Jonah went to Nineveh. And Jonah went to Nineveh and he said, in 40 days Nineveh is going to be destroyed or overthrown unless repentance takes place. Now here's my question. Where are the Jonas today? Where are the men and women that are going to stand up in this country and speak out? about the moral ills that are so prevalent in our society. Let's talk for a moment about the cure. Let me call your attention to Matthew chapter 5, if I could, for just a moment. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus basically lays a foundation for kingdom living. And in verses 13 through 16, he talks about the responsibilities of those of us that would be his disciples. In short, he says that we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so here are the possibilities or the demand that has been entrusted into our care by the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, as members of the body of Christ, we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. One of the interesting characteristics about salt is that it is a preservative and it permeates. Jesus said in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I believe that you and I need to use our influence in this community, in this state, 
and in our nation to affect good. There are a couple of ways that we can do that. As we think about salt permeating, is it not the case that you and I can permeate this nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are two things that come to mind. Number one, we must go. We must literally tell people about the good news of the gospel of Christ. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Sometimes we talk about opportunities. We live in the land of opportunity. Now let me tell you some good news. There are a lot of opportunities when you talk about the kingdom of God. And you have the opportunity to be a vital link in the change to affect good in our nation. Go back to Acts chapter 8 when that great persecution swept the early church. The Bible says that they were all scattered abroad with the exception of the apostles. In verse 4, the Bible says those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now we hear a lot of talk today about the upcoming presidential election. I do not know who's going to win that election. But I believe with all of my heart that it doesn't matter whether it's a Democrat or Republican if you're talking about somebody stepping up and bringing about the wholesale changes that we need in our nation. Now, can they do some good? Can they lead effectively in their parties? Well, of course they can. But if you want to talk about changing the thinking of our nation, the only thing that's going to do that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to understand that the gospel is the only thing that has the power to change the thinking of men and women. Solomon said, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Look at the way people are acting in our country. Look at the values that they are demonstrating by their actions. And you tell me, that a group of politicians in Washington, that they are going to bring about the changes that we need in this nation, it will never happen. Now again, I'm not saying that there are not good people in political places. But I am saying that they are not the answer. The answer is to call people back to the Bible. You look at our community. I read in the paper just recently that in Mississippi and Tennessee that we are some of the leaders in sexually transmitted diseases. We're talking about the Bible Belt. And yet we lead the nation. Do you really think some lawmakers in Washington are going to bring about the moral changes that we need in the state of Mississippi or in Tennessee? Absolutely not. The psalmist said, blessed is the nation whose God is Lord. We need to call people back to God and to the Word of God. Do we have a great message for people today? Absolutely. Look at the values of our world. Do you really think people are happy? 
Do you really think people are satisfied with their way of life? Do you think parents are happy sending their children to public schools where other children are carrying handguns and knives and they're shooting one another, they're taking drugs, they're engaging in rampant sexual promiscuity? Do you think that brings happiness to them? Well, of course not. So we have to go and we have to sow the seed of the kingdom as Jesus said in Luke 8, 11. Salt permeates, but light penetrates. Jesus said, you're the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. I think about the church in this location. Somewhat interesting to me that we are located, we are situated on a little hill. Now, wouldn't it be great if every person in this community, in this county, knew about the Olive Branch Church of Christ? Is it possible that the Church of Christ, not just here, not just in this state, not just in Tennessee, but is it possible that the Church of Christ as a whole is the best kept secret in the world? I think it's the best kept secret in the world. John said the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The world is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And yet you and I are to be the light of the world. We have the opportunity to permeate the darkness that is shrouding the lives of people. How are we going to do that? Well, one way we're going to hold up the Word of God. We're going to let people know that this is the answer. This is the manual. This is the compass that we need to follow. And then we're going to live out in our lives New Testament Christianity. What can we do? When you boil it all down, what can you, as an individual Christian, what can you do? Number one, you can stand up and speak out. For too long, we've been timid. We have the idea that it's us against the world and nobody cares about what we think. Well, that's not the case. We do live in a democratic nation. All of us have the right to speak our mind. Now, we need to do it in a Christ-like way. But we can stand up and speak out. Do you remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 at verse 11? He said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Ask a moment ago, where are the Jonas today? Is it not the case that you and I as members of the body of Christ can stand up and speak out and let people know, listen, that way of living is not going to pass. That kind of lifestyle is not what God in his word has authorized. If you and I do not stand up and speak out, then pray tell who will. If we're not willing to do it now, then when? Number two, we can write our lawmakers and express our concerns. I do not think there's anything wrong with letting people know, as I said a moment ago, we live in a democratic nation. Why not let our congressmen, our senators, our lawmakers on a local level, let them know what we think. 
when they try to pass bills that would denigrate the teaching of the Bible, why not stand up? Why not let them know what you think? Number three, we can and should pray. We need to pray for our nation and pray that there will be doors opened unto us to take the gospel to those who are in need. Pray for our nation. Pray that the people in this nation will awaken, spiritually speaking. You know, there are a lot of people in our world today, they'll tell you right up front, they're not interested in Christianity. They're not interested in God. They're not interested in the church. And that may be the case. But I believe with all my heart that there are a vast number of people in our, in our country and in our world that are interested in doing what's right. They are interested in the welfare and the well-being of our country. The problem is they just do not know where to turn. You and I, we have a golden opportunity. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The church right here at Olive Branch can be a beacon of light in this community. We can offer substance to people in need. What do we have to offer people? The truth, fellowship with God, Christ, fellowship with people of like precious faith. I know that there are a lot of people in the world today they may not be interested in truth, as I said a moment ago, but there are a lot of people that are. You and I, we can make a difference. There is hope, but we need to awaken people. Nineveh repented, only to be destroyed some 100 plus years later. I do not know what the future holds for this country, but I know one thing. It is up to us to make a difference. I'm not willing to turn this country over to a group of pagans. I'm not willing to just give up. I think we can be a voice for good. My question to you, will you be a part of this effort? Will you help raise the level of New Testament Christianity in this community? Will you, take, will you take to heart what Jesus said in Matthew 5, that you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world? You can make a difference, but you and you alone have to make the decision to make a difference. If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian, our plea to you would be to come to Christ. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly in John 10, 10. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus gave his life for our sins. What does he require of us? Well, we have to believe that he's the son of God, John 8, 24. We must repent of every sin, Acts 2, 38. Confess his name before others, Acts 8, verse 37. Be baptized into him to wash away our sins, Acts 22, verse 16, at which time the Lord will add us to the church. And then we have the opportunity to tell others 
about that great saving message. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, maybe you've not been the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Maybe you've not been what you should be. Why not begin tonight by refocusing your life, repenting of your sins, getting back in fellowship with God and his people, living faithfully until death, knowing with all assurance that God will bestow on you that crown of life, Revelation 2, verse 10. Would you come as we stand and sing?